Welcome to Five Start Weekly. Finally, Atlanta United finally has its first win in the league this season and a first win in the league for Frank DeBoer in quite a while. But can they turn things around and beat Dallas this weekend? We talk about all that and more next. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. You can now also find all our content on the Genico USA platform anywhere in the world on Amazon Fire TV, Roku, iOS, Google Play, and many other streaming platforms. So guys and gals, it was an encouraging match from the Five Stripes, but was it a vintage Atlanta United performance? Not really so sure, but at least the attack looked a lot more dangerous with 19 shots. But uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely looked very, very different uh, from the very off. I think the very uh, first 10 seconds was something of a worry because Eric Rometty had that concussion and it was termed a mild concussion afterwards. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, once mild. mild. Uh, yeah, so mild that he had to come off, but yeah, he was still posting on social media afterwards, so I mean, I don't know, it's one of those things. Uh, but Ezekiel Barco came on and he looked better than he ever has before, uh, although it kind of harkened to a shot in preseason in 2017 uh, that really so got me excited. Battery? Was the battery I think it was against the battery, but yeah, I mean, either way, yeah, uh, you know, him shooting from that left side, cutting in and aiming for that right net, yeah, uh, that right corner, uh, it's something that uh, we want to see more from Ezekiel Barco, of course, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, against a, you know, a New England Revolution side that's not very, very good, uh, kind of toothless in attack, like I've said before. They managed one shot on target the yeah, whole game. Exactly, but um, you know, and then you know, we get 19 shots shots off of them in a two 0 win. We were not efficient. We were not clinical, but I think it's still very encouraging because we we get our first three points of the season in the 2019 MLS season. That's uh, yeah, it's encouraging signs. I think it's a big win for Atlanta United, but it's also a big win for Frank DeBoer, who got his first league win in a very long yeah. time. But Ezekiel, October Bar of 2016. Yeah, Ezekiel yeah. Barco really staked a claim as to why he should be starting every game. Yeah. He didn't get the start. He comes on, mm -hmm. and he scores two really good goals. Don't forget about the first one either. Yeah. Great run from Tito on the left side. Great cross into the box. And a cool, calm, and clinical finish from Ezekiel Barco. Mm -hmm. And then he has that wonder goal that you see. Yes. That's confidence. And that's something uh -huh. that United fans need to see from him because if he can improve and become a consistent goal scoring threat, mm -hmm. he finds himself in that position quite a bit, but he never really shoots. Mm -hmm. If he can start getting confidence in his shot, that's going to be another thing that teams have to worry about when defending right. against Atlanta United. And if you want to sit deep and sit inside your own 18, if you have guys that can make shots like that, that's one way to get past a solid defense. Right. And now he leads our team in goals with three. And yeah, who would have thought? Who would have thought that Ezekiel Barco, who was much maligned by a lot of people uh, by not taking shots inside the box, I think, yeah, his confidence is growing. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people who thought maybe PT Martinez would be the heir apparent to Miguel Miron, I think, you know, it's probably been Ezekiel Barco. And uh, with that, I mean, he's shown his work rate uh, very early on this season as well and tracking back and, uh, you know, pressing wise, yes, uh, he still needs a little bit of work, I think. But, uh, you know, it's still, I think, encouraging signs. And, um, you know, I think, you know, with what we need to do, uh, you know, in the league, uh, this is, you know, a step in the right direction. Absolutely. You also saw Tito Vijalba getting two assists as well from the left and from the right, kind yes. of finding space and moving around to attack the defense. He played really well. The only person who maybe struggled on the attack was Joseph Martinez, and that was interesting. He had a well, couple chances. Well, I wouldn't chances, even say he, he struggled. Uh, he, he got himself in chances. He struggled finishing. Yes. As a striker, yeah. as long as he's getting into goal-scoring chances, mm -hmm. he's doing the right thing. Right. He's going to find the back of the net. Honestly, if anyone gets on his back, he's probably angrier than everyone in Atlanta oh, put sure. together, knowing how he is. And then, but his link-up play. Oh, his, his link-up link play was it, fantastic. fantastic. And so, uh, you know, he was spreading it around. He uh, found the right ball to, uh, you know, Tito for him to make that run, uh, you know, and drive 
in the box for that first goal. Um, yeah, I mean, he's pretty much almost playing as a false nine at times and uh, really getting involved in the play, um, you know, dropping back more into to midfield to collect the ball. And so it's, uh, it's good because it's, you know, this year I think he's uh, being marked differently, like he said uh, in the press as well. Like, uh, he's getting pretty much all the... All the uh, the marking on him, all the coverage. Which is why you know, Marco being able to score these goals exactly. is so important because if you have goals coming from other areas, exactly. teams can't mark him out of the game like right. that. I'm not sure if I think that playing him as a false liner, playing with him with his back to goal is the best way of utilizing Joseph Martinez, mm -hmm. But if that's how he has to get his service in the system right now, yeah. so be it. Another player who had a very good game and showed mm -hmm. a lot of what I was hoping he would bring to the table when he was signed was Darlington Nagby. Of course. I mean, 91% pass accuracy, created a few chances, mm -hmm. was good, it was driving forward. He looked really good in the midfield as well. Mm -hmm. Again, another player who you need performances like that consistently right. if you want to be successful as right. a side. And the hearsay of why he was named man of the match is because there's a beer sponsor on the man of the match and so that's why uh, exactly. Marco Marco. Marco. get it exactly because he's 19 years old but uh i think back to joseph martinez though uh and what he uh yes i mean you know he he's, hasn't scored in the league yet uh he scored that, against cincinnati uh oh, okay okay yeah so he, he's got one but uh either than that it's not been you know he's not leading the league right now and that's uh, you know, people will be saying he's had a bad year and uh, whatnot so far. Um, I think that's where it's a kind of kind of misnomer, maybe in that that regard. Because yeah, what he has to do uh, right now is uh, is a lot different than what he was doing last year. He was being fed the ball in all the places that he uh, is really really good at attack, and he's missing a Miguel Miron. He's missing a Greg Garza. All he's got right now from uh, the attack last year, essentially, that were the main like feeders of the ball to him, Julian Gressel, and then sometimes Tito. You know, so it's like it's you know for him to only have one goal, uh, and then you know Carlos Vela is leading the league. It's I, it's LSU are flying. Right yeah, now. they're flying as well, and so that's really what's different is you know the service that he's getting is a lot different, and that's why he's having to take shots outside of the box. It's um, you know, uh, I think the chances will come uh, inside the box once other guys are more dangerous and are scoring. I think, yeah, if guys are having to cover more of an Ezekiel Barco because he's on fire or something, yeah, it really just opens up more space for uh, the likes of a Joseph Martinez. So. Although it does help him develop his game even more to become more of a complete forward. Yeah. And if Joseph Martinez can add playing with his back to goal consistently and finding that space and the team can click as yeah. well as him being able to get into those positions, mm -hmm. then he becomes an absolute nightmare for oh, defenders for sure. to mark because where is he going? Is uh -huh. he coming short? Is he dropping deep? I mean, mm -hmm. what? that's when he becomes an absolutely unplayable yes. forward. And if he can master that and the team can function around him and get those players moving forward, which is something we hadn't seen and when the team was yeah. struggling to create chances. Against New England, there were players in and around the box. Sure. There were guys making runs into the box. That's what this team needs. And we talked about it last week. Will there be an improved performance? Will we see progress? And I think we got the answer to that question, yes. Yeah. Now, we have to build upon that. Because one result against New England isn't going to make your season. Oh, for sure. But it gets things heading in the right direction. Indeed. And uh, I, I'm going to bang on uh, more about Joseph Martinez. It really is to a degree where, yes, if he can uh, get double digits and assists, you know, because, yeah, the pre-assists actually count in MLS, so... Yeah, uh, he was spreading it out to uh, you know the right person and getting them into the space for that, right? And so, uh, yeah, if he doesn't score 30 goals but scores around 20-ish and gets double digits in assists, I mean, that's still a really, really strong season. I mean, that's a lot of creation. And I think that's, uh, you know, if it is that, that type of number, yeah, it bodes well for us in the season so that we're not just reliant on one player as well. And so if an Ezekiel Barco can chip in more goals, then there we go. I mean, if you can get double-digit goals from Joseph PT and Ezekiel Barco, yeah. you're going to be doing all right. And, teams, and Tito maybe. And Tito yeah, maybe. Because sure. so. he's looking a lot more comfortable in this yeah. team now. And mm -hmm. uh, we'll get on some of the comments that Frank DeBoer made about his play later on. Right. I think some really interesting nuggets about this match, though, was the fact that this was the first time this season that Atlanta United was both out-possessed and out-passed by the opposition. 
-hmm. I never would have guessed that going into New England, but who knew? You don't have to have the ball and out pass them to death in order right. to win a game. I think it's because, yeah, you know, you have the uh, the chaos of, uh, you know, maybe a Tito when he comes in um, and the unpredictability. I mean, that's what he really offers as well. Um, He's a lot more direct than anyone else you have on the exactly. team. He's willing to run at people to right. make something happen. And I've been saying pretty much all, uh, you know, most of 2019 that we need to be uh, more direct and getting to the byline and pulling that ball back because that's how you got that Ezekiel Barco exactly goal. and you know uh in previous seasons as well like a Julian Gressel running from the right side and pulling it back to someone that's inside the six or the eight even um yeah that's how you get open guys because they're worried about what you're gonna do uh at the byline and you know you have that third man run it's perfect for that uh we need to do more of it and uh, i think we've shown uh, especially in this match yeah i mean you can really draw people out of position that way uh and we have the guys that can do that that can get to the byline so let's use that that pace but um yeah and other interesting nuggets were okay so when uh well for me it's also ezekiel barco he comes on like super sub, and uh, and then he comes off. To be fair, <laughs> he did play what 60, 70 or so minutes. He did, and I he mean, ran his socks off. Yeah, he worked his ass off. But if you get two goals like that, right? You know. Yeah, no, it's fair, but uh, it also is funny that he's the one to come off. And but yeah, PT Martinez, he came on, looked hungry, uh, looked a lot more refreshed, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if um, you know he's still coming from the, the bench and you know really kind of having to prove himself, that's a better role for him right now until he can really get his legs under him because then if he That's can get scary yeah <laughs> if he can get his legs under him oh yeah we will be uh hopefully uh you know firing on a lot of cylinders that yeah I mean, bodes well think of the idea of playing say like a 4-2-3-1 with PT Tito and Barco as that three and Joseph up that's really terrifying like oh, yeah. that's possibly the best attacking like Four, yeah. you're gonna get in this league if they're firing on all cylinders. I don't Pacey, care. I don't. You got the you power. You got everything. You got yeah. pace, technical ability. Uh -huh. You got goal scoring from inside the box, outside the box, with the head. As far as Joseph is concerned, if you're a defense, I don't care how deep you play. One of those guys is going to pick you apart. And they will hurt you. And yeah. you got two guys that can hit free kicks really well in PT and Barco. I mean, foul them if you dare around the box. Yeah. It, it, Things are going better. It's one match, though. Mm -hmm. We need to improve. They yeah. need to continue to improve, and that has to happen against Dallas on the weekend. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in the in the post-match quotes and uh, what they talked about, Frank DeBoer, uh, yeah, he had a lot of praise for Ezekiel Barco with good reason, but uh, we were all perplexed, and I was perplexed, why he did not start. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it uh, worked out well for him, of course, uh, but... Uh, I think, you know, maybe it was slightly too defensive to start, but uh, I think looking back on it, uh, it makes sense that Lorenowitz was in to uh, handle the physicality of a New England revolution. Um, and Rometty, I think maybe, and as we saw, uh, unfortunately was not the man for this match, actually. Like, you know, it's one of those two probably uh, needed to have sat. And unfortunately, yes. So Eric Rometty, hopefully... Uh, the mild concussion is nothing more. Uh, so far, it's not too bad is what we hear, but you know we'll see uh, by the, the week's end. But, um, you know, I think, you know, with the rest of that as well, Parkey as a fullback and Shea as a fullback, um, you know, the, yeah. the, the kind of, uh, I think, game plan goes out the window a little bit uh, after Ezekiel Barco comes on because then you have, you know, you replace someone that's more defensive with a more offensive person. Darlington Nagby has to pretty much be a holding midfielder, which, uh, I mean, he, of course... Uh, Still incredible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but, yeah, I think you don't see uh, a Shea and a Parkers really bomb forward a whole lot. They did go forward, but it wasn't, uh, you know, like, you know, incredible combinations and, you know, something inspiring going forward, but they were very solid. Uh, Shea, I think, had, uh, you know, numerous tackles and interceptions, uh, probably his best defensive game yet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think also a much maligned guy that, yes, um, it's somebody that I think, uh, you know, uh, if you give him more time, 
I mean, he can show a little bit more of what he's had so far. But I don't think he's been a complete unmitigated disaster like some people want to yeah. scapegoat him to be. Uh, he's not like the problem, the source of all the problems. Has yeah. he had poor games? Yes, but the whole team has. So yeah. I still want to give him some more time to settle in, mm -hmm. figure out what his role is within this right. team, and see what he can do because there's no point in bashing your own players five right. games into the season. Right. And uh, I mean, because, yeah, he hasn't just been outright awful for us at any point. I mean, it's not been encouraging at times, maybe, but it hasn't been to a degree where it's like, but yeah. Again, it's been the whole team. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean, it's been the whole team. Yeah, when so... we've been poor, it, the whole team has been poor. So yeah, yeah agreed. But uh, yeah, back to the quotes from after the match. Uh, he was talking about Ezekiel Barco. You have to make decisions sometimes. He started on the bench, but you want that type of response from every substitute. I'm very happy for him. Of course, happy the most for the team because we desperately needed to win. I think the way that we did it, it gives a lot of hope for the future. 2-0, I think it could have been 7-1 or something like that. We can look back very positively on this game. I'm always fine with putting up seven goals against New England. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and I, maybe that was an allusion to that or something, but yeah, no, we could have been a lot more clinical. Uh, of course, Tito and Joseph, they hit it right at the keeper at times. Gressel even had a chance uh, that was, uh, you know, saved off the line. It, you know, this type of thing happens when, you know, I think the team is low on confidence. Uh, you know, they need that conviction to want to score and to be able to score. And I think they're uh, slowly gaining that. And I think, yeah, once that they have all these chances, um, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before it goes in. But um, yeah, Frank DeVoer also uh, talked about the relief of getting the, the team's first three points. He said, you want to start as well as possible, and I still think we did great in the CONCACAF. I think we can be proud of our performance against them, and of course our result in the other league wasn't the result we wanted. Still, I saw the progress already against Columbus, and it's also a question of time when we get our result. I will tell you, everyone was eager to get three points, including myself, of course. Yeah, uh, I mean, yes, we did hand Monterey their first loss of the calendar year uh, in CONCACAF. But, and then against Herediano, yes, we looked strong. But yeah, I think still on the whole, CONCACAF, uh, I mean... They did absolutely shithouse <laughs> Kansas City, though. It's true. So, yeah. I mean... It's, it's one of those things, <laughs> yeah... But I think, arguably, we are a better team than Sporting KC as well. So it is, uh, not, maybe not this year, but it is a case where uh, I think the expectations, yes, maybe were high from a lot of people. Uh, but it also is, yeah, that's how close we were in terms of, uh, you know, against Herediano, against Monterey, like last 10 minutes against Monterey. If it didn't go in swing that way, it could have been a completely different story. And so that's where it's, yeah. It, it, again, I, I don't want to talk too long on Champions League. Yeah. Though. I mean, his first season, first time yeah. in the competition. I mean, it, there's going to be learning, you know, growing mm -hmm. pains. And at the end of the day, Monterey would have had what ten DPS in MLS if they were in MLS. Yeah, so something like they've that. They've got a lot more invested in their playing right. squad than what Atlanta had can. Mm -hmm. And to only lose three one on aggregate, as opposed to Kansas City, who again got absolutely housed. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a great start, but he's got that first win, like mm -hmm. you said, that first win since September or October of two thousand. 2016 against Torino when he was at Inter Milan. Yeah. That means he had a job in between where he didn't win at all yep. at Crystal Palace, and now he's finally got that win. So let's hope that with this one, to kind of wrap a bow on New England, 2-0, professional result, got that win in New England like I told you we would do, <laughs> and now let's kick on and get some more points, put them on the board, and get it to the top of the league. Yeah, let's get into the news then. Uh, let's say happy birthday to Atlanta United. They were born on this day that we're recording, April 16th, 2014. Uh, that was when MLS announced Atlanta as the 22nd franchise. And, uh, Five yeah. years ago already. Man, An MLS Cup to boot. Crazy. It's uh, just absolute madness. Uh, not everyone has been there from the beginning, but it is uh, definitely we've picked up a lot of people along the way. And, and may it continue because it is just, uh, I think, a pleasure to follow this team. Uh, I mean, I think normally. And, uh, of course, yeah. We've had a rough patch, but I think, you know, this is our roughest patch that we've had. You know, it... It happens in sports. Yeah, <laughs> it happens with every team. Uh, thankfully, yeah, we haven't had too many of that so far. But, um, yeah, guys, also, Ezekiel Barco was named to the MLS Team of the Week 
for week seven and also was named the MLS player of the week. Congrats to the uh, the boat. Uh, he apparently doesn't like to be called a little boat, actually. So. Well, hopefully the big boat can also win MLS goal of the week because he has been nominated for MLS goal of the week. He's winning handily right now because, well, we all know how it goes when an Atlanta United player is nominated for anything, but voting closes Wednesday night. So if you have not voted yet, go in and get that vote so he can get his goal of the week to pretty much clean up on all of the awards from week seven in MLS. Yeah, he's uh, definitely the you know player of the moment, I think, uh, for Atlanta United at the, you know, at the time right now. But uh, yeah, let's move on to Atlanta United 2 and them signing a, uh, you guys can try this name, uh, but I'm gonna give it a try, sure. Okay, I'll give it a try after yeah. you go. Bienvenue Kanaki Mana. I'm gonna go Bienvenue Kanakamana. Yeah. Uh, it's, I'm going Bienvenue because it's French, definitely a French-speaking yeah. country, right. but he was signed on loan for the 2019 season with an option to mm -hmm. buy, oh great, this is another easy one, from the Czech Republic's MFK Viskov. Yeah. Um, so pending league and federation approval, there is an option to buy there, like we said. Mm -hmm. He is a Burundi Youth International forward, and he'll be playing with Atlanta United 2. Right. Uh, top score, scored 23 goals across all competitions in the Burundi Premier League. So maybe he's got a bit of something. So Atlanta yeah. clearly saw something in him mm -hmm. to sign him. Right. Scouting department doing something different. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, also uh, moving on, uh, Atlanta United is in the top 10 in the world in attendance. I mean, that's just some nuts stuff right there. And that's, uh, you know, they are ahead of the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool, who are leading the Premier League right now. My smug face. I mean, uh, yeah. and At least know, one of my teams is doing better than them in something. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know. So, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, Borussia Dortmund is top. And a lot of, you know, German clubs uh, are... Manchester yeah. United. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's a very nice list to be a part of, and uh, we are the only tenth. one, yeah, in the Western Hemisphere in the top ten. I mean, so. tenth. I mean, over fifty thousand yeah. a game. Yeah, five fifty-one thousand. Give, give your, give your hand. I mean, seventeens. Give yourself a hand because yeah. in year three to do that, that is incredible. Mm -hmm. The future only knows what they can, what it can hold. And yeah. one day, I think that whole stadium is going to be open every game. And then you're going to be challenging the likes of Manchester United and those German clubs right. for those top spots. Right. Although Dortmund, that their stadium is bigger than ours, so that's just not going to happen. Right. And yeah, for the the context of that, for the maybe the uh, people in England or South or South America that are watching, yes, um, yeah. I mean, we don't open the Benz every single match to its full capacity. I think it's you know asking supply demand uh, essentially uh, to get there until we actually do. And so, yeah, I mean, it, uh, on the the reg where it's, you know, uh, just the lower bowl, it's 45,000 or so. And then when it's full and, you know, full capacity, it's around 70, 70 plus. So. Yeah. Well, to be more specific, out of 17 uh, league home matches this right. season, six of those will be open to the whole stadium. Mm -hmm. And then all the playoff games are open for that. So those are where those numbers come from. But either yep. way, Big numbers there. Congrats yeah. to the Five Stripes for that. Right. Another congrats to the city of Atlanta is congratulations to Soccer in the Streets as they are now breaking, well, they have broken ground and are building their third station soccer pitch at the mm -hmm. East Point Marta Station. There are still plans to have up to 10 soccer pitches at these Marta stations. That is an incredible yeah. achievement. So congrats to Soccer in the Streets for that. I can't wait to see where they put the next one. Right. And uh, it's kind of as a part of a league of stations, which is very cool. And so basically, uh, you know, people who are at least maybe uh, they have a home at one of the stations, they will be playing and traveling on our transit station, you know, to another station to play another team. That's, I think, brilliant. And uh, Someone needs to be named Woodrow Wilson FC. <laughs> yeah, right. There's a League of Nations joke in there for <laughs> oh, sure, sure, history sure. buff. Yeah, uh, or League of Stations, but yeah, League of Nations. Okay, sure. See what I'm going with? Uh, yeah, all right. Well, I'll go with that. Uh, but yeah, and uh, so guys, let's move on to Atlanta United 2, uh, who, yeah, they've played a lot of games recently, actually. And uh, yeah, they beat Memphis, or they got, yeah, they beat Memphis 901. 1 0 on Wednesday night. Uh, away. Kevin away. And Kevin Barajas uh, scored his first professional goal. So, congrats to the dream tryout player who, uh, yeah, I mean, that's 
that's just that's know, pretty awesome yeah. i'm not gonna lie that's yeah. pretty awesome that's uh we're all again living vicariously through kevin Barajas. but um and also dylan Castanera had eight saves in that match which i mean my god uh still kept a clean sheet that's just massive from uh you know the the super drafty from this year the irony that atlanta yeah. is playing the team that owns his mls rights this weekend yeah indeed indeed yeah he will probably have no part in the the match coming up but you know, it's still... He can sit and watch, and he wins either way. Exactly, that's true. But, um, yeah, and also we beat uh, Atlanta United 2, beat North Carolina FC uh, 2-1 on Saturday night. Uh, Gordon Wilde scored his first of the season with a Carlton assist. Uh, Well-taken goal by Gordon Wilde, actually, because uh, <laughs> he's German. Uh, and Jackson Conway also scored his first professional goal with a assist from Laurent Kissiadou. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's an academy product, Jackson Conway. I mean, just, uh, you know, I think big things are probably coming from this. Uh, 17 years old and six foot three. Yeah. You know what they call that in the soccer biz? <laughs> Unit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, yeah, definitely a lot of academy players started in this match as well. And we saw, um, yeah, just uh, some quality performances from the twos, I think, so far. It's, uh, it's you been know, much improved over their first season. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Glass, I think the uh, the head coach is maybe, um, you know, making some differences in, uh, you know, their preparation. And uh, I think it's also a year uh, more for the squad, albeit it's a different squad, but I think there's still a core that... Uh, you know, have been the incumbent, and I think that really helps too. They're also playing in a stadium that makes more sense for soccer, so that yeah. might also be a bit Good. more comfortable. But they're right now only three points back at the top in the Eastern Conference and USL Championship, and they're in the playoff race as of right now, So, or playoff places, I should say. So that's not too bad. Last season, they only had, I think, 31 points over the whole season. They already have half of that amount right now, so they're on pace to do some really good things this year. I'd love to see them competing in the playoffs to get those academy guys some playoff experience at the USL level. That's exactly what Atlanta United needs. Hopefully, it can test them, improve them, and then they can come into the first team and show that same competitive fire and skill that we're seeing right now. Yeah, indeed. But uh, that does it for the news, and this uh, gets us to... Our Atlanta United Fan TV network uh, that we've pretty much been trying to cultivate and uh, you might have seen with Unrelegated coming onto the channel and might have been wondering what that's all about. Uh, we haven't been able to provide context yet because, I mean, frankly, it's been kind of busy uh, the past month uh, with a lot of things going on, not only with the games, but also behind the scenes. Uh, but, you know, Unrelegated essentially is a fantastic Atlanta United podcast. The OG podcast with Jay Riddle and Kelly Francis, of course, is uh, has been seen on this channel, and I think uh, I want you guys to welcome them with open arms and you know give them a watch because it really is fantastic stuff. And also with uh, the amazing Queens of the South, uh, that kind of offshoot of uh, Unrelegated as well. Uh, yeah, the only all-female podcast of Atlanta United right now in uh, the podcast space so yeah uh you know definitely please check all check out all of that stuff but uh it's also part of this uh network that we're trying to grow of uh you know programming and so I, it's just a lot of amazing things we have going on behind the scenes that we can't wait to share with you guys and uh it's, you got a lot of amazing content heading your way yeah. pretty much anything you can think of it's coming your way. I mean, to have Kelly and Jess doing Queens of the South is incredible. They are both two incredible women who know a hell of a lot about yes. soccer. And it's very entertaining to watch those two talk about anything, to be perfectly honest. And Unrelegated, you'll see me, you'll see AJ, you'll see Dev, you'll see Mark, you'll see all sorts of people dropping in on Unrelegated as well. And they feature some really great guests. It's a kind of a different programming from what you see with Five Strap Weekly. We're just trying to give everyone a different sort of taste of everything so that if you want something, you can come to Atlanta Fan TV and we're going to have something for you. Right. And it also uh, potentially frees me up for even more content. So more, uh, you know, more pods, more shows, more vlogs, and also maybe some, uh, you know, very just original. exciting stuff, uh, original content with some Atlanta United celebrities. So it's just stuff that we can't wait to get out to you. And yeah, I mean, uh, we're also actively seeking sponsorships and uh, maybe you know might explore a Patreon as well so that we can continue to up 
and level up our, our game here. And, uh, you know, we just have a bunch of stuff that we have in tow that, uh, yeah, it's just really, really great. But, but none of that would be possible, by the way, yes. without all the support and the views and the subscribes and the follows that you guys have given us across social media and YouTube. We appreciate every single one of you for all that you do to help spread the word and watch all the videos that we produce. Because at the end of the day, without you, the viewer, we couldn't do any of this. So we thank you so much for everything you've done so far. Mm -hmm. And we honestly can't wait to see what we can do in the future and what we can create for you guys. Right. And uh, also, yeah, I mean, if you have a business that wants to uh, advertise with us, let us know and hit us up in the back end of this channel or in the DMs on social media. But, you know, we, uh, we are just really ecstatic about it. And um, yeah, just check out all the new stuff that's coming out because there's a lot that's gonna be coming. But guys, that gets us to our mailbag and you guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so and we may answer your question in the future. First question comes from official Chancho. Was the win against Revs a turning point in our season? I think it could be, but we won't really know for a few weeks' time. It's it's a win, and it's the first of the season, so in that sense, it's turning around the results. Will it be a turning point? I think that's something that we'll be able to look back on and answer that question in a few weeks' time, but you can't say that if you don't go out and get three points against FC Dallas this weekend. Right, uh, and I think it's, it's one of those, yeah. I mean, um, I think you're seeing the tactics are being... Uh, you know, a lot more flexible. And so I think if we continue in this route where we let the players play and not maybe have to be rigid to a system, maybe we can really start seeing the players uh, start to express themselves and be able to, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of kick on like we know that they can. But uh, next question comes from Ali Cupertino. Do you see us continuing the same formation against Dallas as we had last week? If no, why? Uh, I mean, you know, I think uh, we're gonna get that uh, get into that into uh, with the match preview. But I think for a little bit of a preview to that, a tease, um, I think it's gonna be maybe similar, but uh, in terms of the formation, and um, but I think the personnel is gonna be different. Uh, but I think letting them free flow uh, a little bit more, like they did against the New England Revolution, probably still bodes well. And I think uh, you know. I think we should. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that you saw, well, that you saw against New England was a bit more familiarity. I think Frank DeBoer didn't really know his best eleven. I don't think he knew what suited his team the best within his philosophy of how the game should be played. It's difficult to express yourself when you're having to think about where am I supposed to be, when do I make a run. When, when you're thinking about all those things, it's a lot more difficult to just do and express and play the game. And Atlanta United has so many players that are expressive, creative players. And to force them to be thinking about everything isn't exactly how they play the game. It's a lot more off the cuff, one twos, back heels, spin, you know, roulette, mm -hmm. doing these things. That's what these guys love to do. That's really a South American thing, if we're mm -hmm. being honest. Mm -hmm. And I think now, the more that the team consistently plays within the same formation and the same tactics, the more they'll be able to feel natural at home and express themselves. So without getting too deep into what they'll look like this weekend, I think they will look similar. And I think that they're gonna continue to play within this kind of philosophy moving forward, getting away from some of the stuff we saw earlier at the beginning of the yeah. season. And I think uh, a lot of fans will probably be happy to hear that if uh, yes. that is the case. But uh, next question comes from EA Dunkley 111. Can you see Escobar in a permanent role at left back? That's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if a permanent role, but I think if in a pinch uh, because we are a little bit short at the moment as well, and if we're trying to, uh, you know, uh, have Parky at right back at times, then you know, uh, I think Escobar is capable. Uh, albeit he's not a naturally left-footed uh, player, but uh, yeah, he's able to bomb up and down there. But I think he offers you the yeah. athleticism and the work rate on the yeah. left that you might not get because of his pace, that you might not get from a Breck Shea. He's a different type of player right. to Breck. I, I think it's a different option. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with him consistently playing at the left because yeah. again, the fullback positions is really important to have the foot of the side. So right. if you're on the left, having a left foot's really important because it makes it easier to play down the line. Mm -hmm. It makes it easier to attack down that side and overlap as opposed to underlap. I don't know if he'll play there. Again, like you said, mm -hmm. in a pinch, I think he might be able to do the job, yeah. but- It's uh, also easier, uh, unless you're Cesar as, uh, as Piliqueta, uh, but you know, 
I think uh, in terms of defending crosses also, it's easier if you are the same foot as the side you're on. Uh, because, yeah, you have to move quick, and wingers are quick and tricky. Uh, if they're whipping it across and they're right-footed on the left side, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be... You want to be able to get there as quick as possible to stop that cross with your left foot if it probably happens from there. And so it's, you know, conversely, the, left, the right side as well. And so, you know, that's that's where generally you should probably have the same footed on that side. But um, next question comes from Alex Hagler. Outside of the obvious choices, who are some ATL2 players we should look out for? Without putting too much pressure on anyone, I mean, I, I'm really interested to see what Jackson Conway has to offer now that he's got his first goal. Because at six foot three, at 17 years old, he he's he offers a different type of forward play than anything Atlanta has at the moment. So. For me, I think I'd pick him outside of the obvious choices, being you know your Carltons, your Lagos Kunda, the homegrown choices. Bello. I guess, yeah. I, I, I'm interested That's to see, how I yeah, uh -huh. I'm interested to see how he can develop and if he can continue and start scoring goals mm -hmm. at a higher rate. Because if he can do that. He's got a very bright future ahead of him. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, that, that's a really fantastic choice, of course. Um, for me, I think it's a George Campbell, uh, academy player, defender, uh, big lad as well, and someone that, yeah, I mean, you know, can come in, um, you know, kind of after, you know, maybe, I don't, I don't want it to happen, but an LGP, if he has to move on somewhere, and yeah, you know, you, you have guys who are showing a lot of things and I think yeah uh, it's a guy that um, yeah Atlanta too has shown not only physicality but uh, an ability to play on the ball a little bit so yeah I mean uh, for me yeah George Campbell but uh, last question comes from Vinny Vidivici 17 could we see Yamil Assad return to the five stripes I mean you know probably not yeah Nothing's out of the realm of possibility, but yeah, he is getting, uh, I think he's 25, going on 26 probably now. Um, I think if he's not coming in the next two years, it's probably going to get to a point where I don't know if we're going to see him. Uh, of course, we'd all love to see Emil Assad back in five stripes, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know. The money side as well. Exactly, and uh, unfortunately, he's rotting away at the Les Sarsfield, and it's just, it's a shame what's happening. Like, it's just, yeah. Uh, Assad deserves better. Uh, should he be playing in MLS? I don't know, but at least he should be playing somewhere because he's definitely got quality. And, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Hopefully, he will catch on somewhere. But that does it for Mailbag, and that gets us to the return of Wasteman of the Week. We have finally got a Wasteman of the Week, <laughs> and it's actually very simple. Kaku, what the hell were you thinking, bro? You kicked a ball right into someone's face from no feet away. What a childish action from a professional. Deserved red card. Reprehensible. I seen, I haven't seen if there's a ban. Has he officially gotten a ban yet? I, I don't know. Whatever oh. it is, the hammer deserves to be dropped on him and the Red Bulls for their pathetic attempt of a res public response to it. I, it was good to at least see some of his teammates go over to check on the, the yeah. fan after the game. But seriously, really? Like, what are you, 12 years old? Come on now. Like, what yeah. are you doing? And then, yeah, Robles' uh, response after that as well was, uh, I mean, he's protecting his team, and I get it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things, um, you know, hopefully the uh, victim of that kick was, is okay. Um, you know, it's, it was you stupid. just don't want to see that. You Whatever it is, it. enjoy your ban. You absolutely deserve it, Kaku. Wasteman of the Week, number one for 2019. Yeah. And uh, that gets us to our match preview. And yep, it's against FC Dallas. It's Saturday and it's at 4 p.m., uh, an earlier kickoff this time. It is on ESPN, though. Yeah. But um, nationally televised. Nationally televised, yes. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, it pits us against a team that is in decent form right now, I would say. Um, I mean, you know, they're uh, not doing too bad. Four out of six. Four, four wins out of six. So indeed, indeed. it's not too shabby. And our, our previous matchups against them, of course, we were in that uh, September stretch when we beat them 3-0. Well, they were the inaugural the game. They were. The yes, indeed, LGP indeed. with his sliding yeah, goal at the back post. First goal at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And then, of course, uh, they beat us last minute in uh, Dallas 3-2. That game was annoying. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of 
FC Dallas, uh, that type of uh, team that they are, they are, I think, uh, you know, more uh, kind of wing heavy. They, they like to attack from, uh, you know, the... You know the the wings uh, for a lot of a better word. Right. Specifically, <laughs> the right. they attack a lot down the right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they you know are kind of uh, you know want to put a through ball in. So uh, we'll have to watch out for those balls in behind. But I think uh, with a Miles Robinson in tow and you know an LGP as well, they they do uh, see out balls quite well. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> But, um, I mean, I think what's interesting in this, to touch on Miles Robinson, A, mm -hmm. he's going to want to have a good game against FC Dallas because yeah. he didn't have the best five or, so, or ten or so minutes against FC Dallas last season when he was kind of mm -hmm. put on at the end. Not really going to blame him for what happened. It wasn't ideal circumstances, but mm -hmm. I think he's going to have something to prove in this game. The interesting thing is that FC Dallas is a team that I think matches up very well against Atlanta United. Yeah. They're going to sit deep. They haven't changed from last season. They will sit deep, they will defend well, and they will break quickly. For Atlanta United, if they're holding on to the ball, they have to move it quickly, but they also have to be very aware of where Dallas's players are. Because if we're having the fullbacks bomb forward and overlap, that's going to leave the center backs very, very exposed. And FC Dallas is one of the best teams at counterattacking in MLS. They will find that space, they will exploit that space, and they will score goals. That is the big danger for Atlanta United in this game, is FC Dallas on that counterattack. And as we all know, that's pretty much how teams get goals against Atlanta United at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Right. And so, uh, yeah, we really need to be wary of that. Uh, but, um, you know... For us, like we really need to build on that victory against New England, and so that's pretty vital. Um, you know, we'll see if we can move the ball quickly, like we did, uh, and really, you know, uh, be a little bit unpredictable at times as well. Um, but I think it also is, um, you know, like in terms of what we'll need to do, like is Ezekiel Barco part of the starting? Oh, absolutely. Starting 11. Ezekiel so. Barco absolutely has to start this game. You do not score two goals, especially of the quality of the two goals, and not start in the next game. Yeah. Against a team that will defend deep, he's a player that has the ability, the technical ability, to pick that lot, mm -hmm. to get by someone, to have that moment of magic to score a goal. Because I, I feel like I beat a dead horse here consistently talking about the first goal at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but... Every time Atlanta scores first, I feel much better about the game. Yes, it hasn't worked out against Cincinnati mm -hmm. and Philadelphia so far this season, but in terms of when Atlanta is playing well, teams know they have to be solid at the back. If you can draw a team like FC Dallas out, who is not used to playing open and higher up the pitch, if mm -hmm. you can get those goals to force them to come out, you will have the ability to take advantage of that space in behind. It is so vital for Atlanta United to not go behind in this game because FC Dallas is not a team that throws away leads very often. Right. So a player like Ezekiel Barco will be absolutely pivotal mm -hmm. for Atlanta United to get three points this weekend. Right, and so who are the players for them that we need to watch out for? Jesus Ferreira, their forward, he's got two goals and an assist. Uh, dangerous guy, and also Paxson Palmicall. Uh, yeah, he's also got two goals and assist. And he uh, plays either as a 10 or in central midfield, depending yeah. on what formation they play. And they've, mm -hmm. they've uh, put out both a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-4-3 this year. Mm -hmm. The most dangerous player, in my opinion, though, is Michael Berrios off that right wing. He's got two goals and two assists. He is very, very dangerous. So whoever is playing left back for Atlanta United this weekend, they're gonna need some help, which yeah. makes me question whether or not Breck Shea might be the best choice in this scenario mm -hmm. because he's not exactly the quickest in the world. And on the break, they will be looking to Barrios to create that space and to create chances. So that's a big point of concern mm -hmm. and worry for Atlanta United. So if you wanna to look to a place where Dallas may be attacking, I'd say watch that right wing for FC Dallas for sure. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, uh, they've spread around the goals, they've spread around the assists, so it seems like, yeah, they've been, uh, chemistry-wise, you know, they know what they, uh, they want to do, they know where the players are going to be, and so, yeah, they're definitely more, uh, you know, uh, kind they of... Know their system. In yeah, terms they know of their system. familiarity uh, with do. their system, they know exactly <laughs> what they want to do. Exactly. So that's kind of another scary thing, is they know exactly what they're going to do when they come in here and set up. Right. And Atlanta United, again, even though they got that performance against New England, mm -hmm. still kind of feeling themselves out, which is why this match is so important, right. because 
FC Dallas at the end of the day is one of the better teams consistently in MLS. Right. To get a result at home against them would be a very, very solid three points for the five stripes. And it's not going to be an easy, easy task this week either. Right. Uh, but the odds actually say something different, which is really, really interesting. Uh, you know, they pretty much say that Atlanta United are 13 and 20 to win. That's a 60.6% chance to win this match. And to draw, it's 3 to 1, 25%. And FC Dallas to win is 21.1%. At 15 so, to 4. And those are all via Bet365. Yeah. That is a tasty bet. Like, yeah. obviously, betting is still not exactly a thing, but right. me looking at that, knowing how good Dallas is, I don't know why Dallas's odds are that long, right. considering Atlanta United has been playing the way that it's been playing so far. Right, and that we have an 85% chance, essentially, to get a result. Of any points whatsoever. I, I mean, mean, I don't know if they're taking in uh, form into account, but, I mean, I, I like the odds as an Atlanta United fan, so, yes. Uh, I, I, I think that's very favorable to Atlanta United, and yeah. I, I don't think that exactly reflects yeah. the ability and talent and threat that FC Dallas right. offers Atlanta United. But mm -hmm. to get into that mm -hmm. you know, lineup and how we will face up to try to get those three points against FC Dallas, yeah. how, how do you see us lining up to try to go and, and accomplish that task? Right, uh, so I think uh, you know, with some similarities from New England Revolution. Uh, I think later on in the match, uh, yeah, you saw and heard that Tito Vijalba said that uh, he, you know, we were actually playing a 4-4-1-1. And so, very, very interesting. Uh, that's a kind of shape and formation and tactics that we haven't had this year. Um, and I assume that he was probably at least the one underneath uh, Joseph. And then, of course, uh, you know, later on, uh, PT came in and uh, Barco came off. And so he was probably the, the one underneath as well in that camp spot or kind of second striker, if you will. But um, yeah, so I think it's, in a, again, 4-4-1-1 uh, to allow not only, uh, you know, the defense to be kind of uh, really strong and because uh, in the place of maybe an Eric Rometty who I think maybe it's a little too early to get him back in, uh, I think you want to kind of let him uh, get, you know, just healthy. Head injuries are nothing exactly. that you should mess around with. Exactly. And so, you know, you don't want to rush him back in, into that. And I think uh, a Larry can step into that. But, uh, so for me, it's Guzan between the six, of course. Uh, I think a Franco Escobar as that right back. Miles Robinson, uh, LGP. And this is where it's tough because is it Shea? Is it Bello? Bello, I mean, he has the pace to be able to handle. Uh, you know, Barrios, if he's coming down and, uh, you know, there's like just a, you know, a through ball or a diagonal that's just being hit. Um, but I think it's also Shea has, uh, you know, he played very decently defensively this past match. Uh, it's just a matter of he might have to stay home even more. And that makes our left side, uh, in terms of link up play, in terms of uh, just anything going forward, it might make it even less. And so it might just be kind of a black hole going forward um but i think you know with frank de Boer, he's gonna go with uh, a little bit more of the defensive options so i think it's gonna be shea um uh i think also in the midfield it's gonna be gressel kind of a little bit shading more towards the right but still part of that midfield setup larry kind of as that pivot uh and then nagby kind of more on the left and uh barco kind of in that free role uh, able to do you know what he does and so uh, I think it's gonna be Tito and Joseph uh, as the forwards so with that uh, you know we're gonna be able to play like we were you know and creating so many chances uh, getting the byline being unpredictable uh, playing to the wings and um, you know playing those pullbacks that are so deadly Absolutely. I, I think something that's very interesting to note in the 4-4-1-1 is you don't see a lot, especially at the highest level, a lot of uh, back fours with a four-man midfield. It's kind of gone out of fashion almost because a lot of the times you can end up getting overrun in the midfield because you only have two players in the central midfield roles unless they both work really hard. I think what's interesting is that 
it almost might be the best position for Julian Gressel on the right side of a midfield four because okay. he's between that wing back and that right wing role. Mm -hmm. So he's able to do both whilst being a little bit further forward, right. but far enough back to where he can tuck in and provide a bit more mm -hmm. defensive help in the middle of the pitch. I think as far as the left is concerned, I think with Tito being given that free roll, it allows him to move to the right and the left to link up with both Barco mm -hmm. and with Julian Gressel. Mm -hmm. But also, you'll have Breck Shea kind of sitting there, so it gives Ezekiel Barco more freedom to push higher up the pitch and find those spaces where he can receive the ball. I think key to that is Darlington Nagby. If he can yep. put in a performance like he did against New England, uh -huh. where he can push forward, break through the lines, help give the ball to those forwards, mm -hmm. Especially the final ball uh, yes. that he was so important, the that key will, passes. That will be key was... because if Lorenowitz starts, you know he's going to kind of provide that shield for the back four yeah. or drop in when in possession. So it could be a very interesting formation that provides the exact amount of balance that Atlanta United needs. So for me, I, I think, I don't know if it is a 4-4-1-1. I, I kind of tend to agree with you in that sense. Mm -hmm. Those would be the 11 players that I would pick. I still don't think PC Martinez is ready yet. If Escobar is fit, I think he needs to play it right back over Michael Parkers, especially against a team that is going to be as quick on the counter as FC Dallas. I obviously would love to see a 4-3-3, but without being cheap, you know, I, I think that it is possible, more than likely going to be that 4-4-1-1 because it gives all the players the creative freedom and the positioning that they need. It's interesting, like you said, it's not something we've seen before. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you see a lot of. And maybe because of that, it's exactly what yep. Atlanta needs against an FC Dallas side that might not be expecting or might not be prepared to play a team that has so much movement and creative freedom, mm -hmm. which is something that we haven't really seen from Frank DeBoer so far this season. Indeed. So uh, that gets us to our score prediction. And uh, what do you got? I think it's going to be 2-1 Atlanta United. I think mm -hmm. Atlanta United will get goals, but there's mm -hmm. something about Dallas that even though we might have more guys playing at the back, they are so good on the counter. And it seems right now that every team is scoring at least one when they come to the bins in MLS. Yep. Yes, it's Cincinnati. Yes, it's Philadelphia. But Dallas is going to be the best team at MLS to come here so far this season. Yep. And they've been in good form. I think they'll get one, but I think Atlanta United builds off that performance against New England and gets uh -huh. a very needed, very important three points on the board here. Yeah. I think if we can score first, we can open up this game a lot more uh, because I think FC Dallas isn't just going to come to uh, you know not try to get a result. And I think with that, you know, if we do score first, I think we can actually open this up a little bit more. That'd be um, great. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, it might be a three-one win. Uh, but I think if we don't score first, it might be a two-one win. But so either way, I still have us with the three points. But uh, yeah, and that means it's a good weekend and uh, something that's built on uh, for you know the the next week after that against a Colorado Rapids. But that gets us to our question of the day. Guys, our question of the day is pretty simple. Did that 2-0 win over New England quell your concerns about Frank DeBoer in this season? Obviously, it's our first three points of the year. A lot of people were really getting close to that cliff, that precipice of despair. But are you feeling better about this season after that 2-0 win against New England? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. That's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. For Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.